Hello, beautiful soul family, and welcome to the Walk On Podcast, the podcast where I try to demystify spirituality, personal growth and healing, and whatever else I feel like talking about. I'm your host, Britt Cannon, and this week's episode is called Let the Tower Fall. Um, This one ties into the episode a couple weeks back about tarot and also last week's episode about astrology and also just the mood of the moment okay because let's be real things are not working (laughs) the for lack of a less cliche word system is not fucking working for us right now and as always you know what we experience within we also experience without which means that what goes on inside of us is what we we tend to project on the outside world and a lot of people are running around afraid of change afraid of taking responsibility afraid of saying I made a mistake, afraid of changing direction, afraid of looking within, afraid of their shadow, afraid of their wounds, afraid of their repeating patterns. And so they keep unconsciously playing them out over and over and over and over again. And so it is with the macrocosm of humanity. The tower card in the tarot is a moment of radical change. It's a moment of discomfort, often of great emotional pain, of great anxiety, but also of great realization, of great enlightenment, of great understanding, and of... It reminds me of um how you know i don't know if this is still a practice but you know back in the day farmers they might still do this i don't know where farmers would set the farmland on fire at the end of a season to like clear the soil for the next season in preparation or how a forest fire that occurs naturally not one of these like gender reveal party forest fires um happens so that the new growth can begin it's a reset it's a it's an end and a beginning all at once it's a big bad clearing of the old and it's scary um it's overwhelming and it takes a lot of work to a collapse with the tower surrender to the process surrender to the ego death um, and also to rebuild completely new but often that's what needs to happen often we get ourselves in such a little pickle that (laughs) we have no choice but to fucking walk away Um, and if you resist and resist and resist the endings become a lot more painful than was really necessary 
you know, than it would have been if you had acted sooner. And I think that's what this episode is about, um, how once you endure a couple of these big tower moments, you start learning how to listen to your intuition and you start acting sooner. And when you act sooner, things don't have to get as bad before you change. You actually get to be a little bit more in the driver's seat of your own life and you can anticipate the change or even create the change. Um, And so that's what we're on about this week. I think that maybe, since we haven't done it in a while, I'd like to do a guided meditation if you'd be down for that. Remember to breathe in through your nose, fill up your lungs all the way to your, you know, your belly button, (laughs) your taint, if you will. You want to breathe all the way into your taint. (laughs) Um, Expand those lungs out in every direction. Just like really fill up the middle of your body with air. You're going to do it a little bit quickly. And then we're going to blow out as if through a straw, controlled, steady, a little bit at a time. If you can, don't stress out about it too much though, but if you can, try to make the exhale longer than the inhale, and we're gonna breathe in. Hold, and exhale. Forgive the full-on snot you can hear in my inhale. (laughs) Hold. Exhale. Close your eyes if you can. Just be in your body for a moment. Feel how you relax around that exhale, through that exhale, breathe in. Go at your own pace, exhale. I'm just gonna say some affirmations, you can say them along with me, or you can just think them to yourself or just listen to them and let them wash over you. Your job is just to keep doing that mindful breathing. If you notice something start to tense up, just blow air into it. Tell it to relax. Say thank you for protecting me, but I don't need you right now. (laughs) I am releasing. I am releasing. I am releasing all that is out of alignment with me. I am releasing all that is out of alignment with me. I am releasing all that is out of alignment with my highest good. I release all that is out of alignment with my highest good. I release all that is out of alignment with my highest good. 
I am releasing. I am releasing. I am releasing. I am letting go. I am letting go. I am letting go. I am flowing with my destiny. I am flowing with my destiny. I am flowing with my destiny. I trust the process. I trust the process. I trust the process. I trust my happiness. I trust my peace. I trust my guidance. I trust my healing. I trust my path. I trust my path. I trust my path. One last big deep breath in. Hold. And release. Thank you for so much. Thank you so much for sharing your energy with me. <laughs> Clearly, I'm still in outer space. So that meditation, those affirmations were just about surrender and actually how much strength it takes to surrender, how much faith it takes to trust in the process. You know, the destruction that comes before creation is scary sometimes it's you know turbulent <laughs> some things things sometimes things don't allow you to let them go easily you know think of a toxic relationship it always blows my mind that an abuser will treat you as if you are annoying a burden a waste of time you know, so far beneath them. They will show you over and over again that they don't actually care for you or like spending time with you or like agree with who you are inherently. But the second you leave, they can't stand it. And I always find myself ask, asking, you don't even like me. Like you do not even like me. Why are you fighting for me so hard? Why won't you leave me alone? When you constantly were in a state of ghosting me when, when we were together, like I don't understand. <laughs> it blows my mind. You know, some things don't like to be let go. Sometimes we have a whole lot of, of fears and I'm not even saying fears in the sense that they're illusory. Like a lot of times we have a lot of fears around the change we're being guided to make. For example, a career change. 
you know, when you go to change your career, to leave something stable, something trustworthy, something um, maybe not fulfilling, maybe not what you want to be doing, maybe not exciting or challenging, but it pays the bills. And you're leaving that for something that's more fulfilling, more energizing, more in alignment with who you are, but less stable. You know, that's a very real fear, that loss of money, that loss of income. And we tend to have, you know, these kind of like cycling, spiraling thoughts around something like that. It's like, oh, if I leave my job then I won't make enough money, I'll fail at this other thing, and then I'll lose my house, and then I'll be homeless, and then I'll end up in jail, and then my life will be over. You know, like, we just escalate very quickly in our worry space um, about decisions like this. And, like, some of those fears are valid. In capitalism, you have to make money to survive, you know, like, or be supported by someone in some way, um, that burden falls on someone. <laughs> and if you have no one to lean on, then that's on you, you know? And it's not always feasible or possible to um, make money at something that you're passionate in, especially in capitalism, because it doesn't give you a lot of time or energy outside of work. And a lot of jobs don't pay you enough money to uh, make enough to live day to day and save to prepare for the future to make a move like that. Um, you know, there's all kinds of reasons to be afraid in that situation. So I'm not minimizing the fear or I'm not going to act like it's an illusion because it's a hundred percent valid and like totally real. <laughs> but, um, sometimes we really have no choice but to change, or at least that's what it feels like. It's that thing where you're like going to the job you hate and you are sitting there in your car or like in front of the front door of it and you're like, I cannot go in there. If I have to go in there and do one more day, I'm going to make freaking lose it. You know the feeling. You've been there and you think I have got to do something about this. Um, or, you know, you're in a relationship and you realize that you're having the same fight you've had 600,000 times with no real resolution. And you just have that realization where you're like, you know what? I'm done. The way you breathe irritates me. <laughs> you don't treat me very nice and I'm not happy. You know, you have these like ding realization moments. That is the moment of the tower fall. The moment where you have no choice. I said, I've said it before on this podcast, but I remember that I said it on my tarot um, episode where the universe starts with a whisper and it'll be like, hey, I think you might need to change some things. And you're like, did someone say something because I didn't hear anything? <laughs> And then the universe gets a little louder. And then the universe gets a little louder. And then the universe gets a little louder. And then they start getting fucking angry and screaming in your face with big flaming letters in the sky. Signs that you cannot miss. And, and usually because on this earth, at this moment, with the conditioning that we live under, living with the generational trauma that we have all endured for many, many generations, um... We are used to suffering. 
we're used to being unhappy. There's so much rhetoric around, you know, life is hard. Life isn't fair. Um, what do you think? Every day is a holiday? Like, no one's happy. No one likes their job. What makes you think you're special? Everyone has to work. Like, relationships are hard work. You know, just the the sitcom trope of a married couple who doesn't like each other very much. You know, there's just like all this rhetoric, all this like sort of propaganda um, of the real American dream, which is that like we're constantly in a state of maladaption and dissatisfaction and just like melancholy and like low grade suffering all the way on the spectrum to high grade suffering and that's just the way it is and if you complain then you must think you're better than everyone else so I think that like all of that pressure and all of that like you go from being a kid to say people saying you can be whatever you want you can do whatever you want with your life you know you can do anything you can be president if you wanted to and then at a certain point everyone's like okay time to grow up life sucks time to settle find someone you can like halfway stand um settle down have a bunch of kids like lock yourself into a career that doesn't fulfill you that only exists to make some rich guy richer and do that until you retire and or die and it's just like no no it's not that life isn't fair it's that the system isn't fair. Obviously, there's going to be bad things that happen to us on our path. You know, people die, relationships end, bad weather happens. Um, coronavirus is a thing. You know, like bad shit happens, but um, there's a lot of unnecessary suffering. And you could even argue that coronavirus is an example of something of a tower that our governments aren't listening to. You know, we had a chance globally, but specifically in America, because like that's where I live and where I've been experiencing it. We had many chances to do what other countries did, to totally lock down, to pay people to stay home, to shut down the economy for a little bit of time until it was actually safe, until things were actually under control, and then slowly open up with precaution. Um over time you know just take a little chill pill and maybe in the meantime consider how we could change the way that we experience the world um, the way we do things the way we think about things the way that our society works i remember at the beginning of the very first lockdown it wasn't even a real lockdown because restaurants were still open, stores were still open, um, you know, people were still living their lives for all intents and purposes. I think people were like kind of inside for three months. Um, but there was a lot of like questions about, you know, maybe we shouldn't be working in such a way that we're not allowed to call out sick without getting in trouble. So that we force ourselves to work when we're sick. Like, maybe that's not a good choice. And it's like, well, duh. <laughs> um, or thinking about how healthcare shouldn't be tied to employment, you know, because in a situation like this, where many, many people lose their jobs, they lose their healthcare too, during a public health crisis, that doesn't seem right. Um, 
thinking about the idea of like universal basic income so that people could afford to stay home without the government having to do a bunch of uh, finagling to be able to afford it or like find the funds to support everyone. If you just like paid everyone a basic living wage, it wouldn't have been so bad. The eviction moratorium um, and all the debates surrounding that about like maybe landlords shouldn't be overextending themselves owning more properties than they can afford so that during a public health crisis where people are like mandated to not go into work um, they have to be worried about getting kicked out of their homes slash landlords have to worry about having their property taken away and being in massive amounts of debt even though no one's born a landlord well i guess people are but being a landlord is a choice <laughs> um it's a choice to receive passive income and like if you don't financially plan that's on you whereas if someone who makes minimum wage and works part-time because that's all that's available to them uh loses their job it's a different story they didn't choose that that's like the circumstances that they're working with um we're just there's like this big beautiful eye-opening moment i mean think about the nature is healing memes right like everyone was like whoa when we stop running around like maniacs the swans are back in the canals you know the air is clean like Earth is a paradise. We forgot. <laughs> but it was just this brief moment of consciousness, this brief moment of realization. And then, like, happens so much in the microcosm of our e each of our individual experiences. You, s you have the realization, you have the moment of realizing stuff's not working, and then you get too scared to change things, or you think it's impossible to change things. And so you shut it all down and you stop thinking about it. And that's a hundred thousand million percent what happened. <laughs> People considered for a moment and then for the most part went about their lives. You know, for the most part we're like, wah, wah, I'm bored, I'm so annoyed, I can't stand to stay home with myself. I gotta go, gotta go drink. I gotta go to the bar and get fucked up. Thank God I'm gonna explode if I don't. Or like even, you know, these people who are like itching to work, like itching to get back to work. It's just like, I don't know. Enjoy your leisure time. I know money is real. Like, please don't misunderstand me. I understand that money is real. Believe me. But I don't know. People who misconstrue or like manipulate the idea of putting a piece of cloth over your nose and mouth being some infringement on personal freedom it's like wow the bar is low like you really haven't experienced any oppression in your life if you think that's oppression um just i don't know i was i had this feeling i think i've talked about this before on my podcast when i i think i was 24 um, and my cousin Dust, oh, I don't want to say names. Sorry, I like try to not say names um, so as not to get in trouble. My cousin, who is a year younger than me, died of a heroin overdose. And my family is a little bit plagued with addiction, with generational trauma, with mental illness that is like 
horrendously untreated. Um, and it had trickled down to my generation. Um, and I, at his funeral, I saw like his friends came in droves. Like there were so many people there. It was so beautiful. The line to like say goodbye to his, you know, physical form in the coffin or whatever. Um, I don't know the proper words. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but the line stretched all the way around the funeral home, like all the way around the church. It was amazing how many people were there and a lot of his friends because where he lived there was this like heroin and like opioid and fentanyl is that the bad one um epidemic where people were just like overdosing left and right and these kids i say kids but they were like 23 um they had been to so many funerals of people they loved and grew up with and so they had reached this sort of breaking point and i remember um, some of them putting their driver's licenses in with him as a reminder to like get sober and stay sober um, you know to not end up this way and that his death wouldn't be in vain and I was having a similar moment too with my um, like my own partying and drinking and and also just this this moment of like we have got to do something about this because I remember for years my family joking about his drug use and like just laughing it off or like acting like he was just like you know out there just like doing his own weird thing as if it was like a phase or something and just from from the spectrum of like laughing about it and joking about it and making light of it all the way to gossiping about him and judging him for this particular struggle and but never confronting him never dealing with it never getting him any help never offering him any kind of help nobody checking on him like myself included you know i just like didn't know how to handle something like that and it wasn't my responsibility as like one of the newly grown children in the family it should have been the adult's job but I could have done something you know what I mean like I could have said something and I'm not saying this in a an unhealthy like regretful way I understand that things played out the way they did and there's nothing I can do about it now so there's no point in um in like thinking those thoughts but it was a lesson for me you know I was sitting there looking around at everyone in all their addiction and all their pain in all the mistakes they made, in all the ways that they abused us um, so that we were in pain and we were having a hard time functioning. Every single one of us has anxiety issues and PTSD and just like, you know, thank goodness only one of us had kids, honestly. <laughs> um, I would say the most well-adjusted one of us is the only one that had kids, which was is a good thing, I think. Uh, but... I just made a choice in that moment that I was going to heal. Like, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know uh, how, like what I was even getting at, what to expect. I just knew that I no longer wanted to be the kind of person who swept things under the rug. I no longer wanted to be the kind of person that ignored an issue, that made light of an issue, 
that was scared of confrontation um, because, well, look what happens. You know, it can have dire consequences to not address a problem and you lose people. And like, that's a loss that lives with you forever. Uh, you don't get over that kind of loss. It gets easier, you know, you don't think about it as much, but it's always sad. It's always tragic. And so it still took me a few years to work out how to be the kind of person that has those conversations, but I worked on it and I did it. And I'm proud to say that I'm here now, you know, as sober as I've ever been, <laughs> still a little bit of a stoner, um, but like not heavily reliant on weed, not that you can be addicted to weed, but like I definitely was what I would call abusing it at one point. Um, I don't, I don't get drunk anymore. I have like one drink at a time, like really, truly once in a while. And, um, and that's like by and large the healthiest I've ever been. I'm no longer like what I would call dependent on sex or the validation of others. Um, I am in a loving, healthy partnership. I'm no longer dependent or like drawn or addicted to toxic situations. Um, just every aspect of my life is healthy now and I feel really comfortable having difficult conversations and being honest with my feelings, being vulnerable, laying boundaries, telling my truth. Like I've really come a long way, but very heartbreaking. Almost nobody else in my family did like almost nobody else. One other person pretty much. And that really broke my heart because like, sorry, there's a helicopter. <laughs> the death of a loved one is tough enough to deal with. You know, like that's one of the hardest things you can go through um, is someone who's like a sibling to you, you know, or a child, you know, or a grandchild. Like that's so sad. And that's really tough to live with. But, um, for me, seeing it really feel like it was in vain, no one took the lesson, you know, no one changed their ways, just really destroyed me. And it, it started, it planted the seed of the resentment <laughs> that would eventually become my distancing myself from my family. And the other thing was that no one could take responsibility. I was the only one being like, this is our fault. I mean, he's the one that did the drugs, but like, did we not drive him to it? Did we not offer him help? Did we not support him? Did we not belittle his pain? Like, some responsibility needs to be taken. This seems like a long tangent, but it's relevant in the fact that that was a tower moment. That was a moment when something, the illusion of the happy, healthy, albeit a little dysfunctional and quirky family was destroyed and we were left looking at the rubble mess that had been created through life's long lives, generations of ignoring the issues at hand and sweeping them under the rug and not having boundaries and not being healthy, um, being codependent on one another. That was a moment where it became crystal clear and yet 
people just like put it away, put it in the back of the closet to deal with another day. And I think that happens a lot. I've seen a lot of people, you know, people sometimes come to me or I just like stumble across on my path people who are struggling with toxic relationships, you know, toxic friendships, toxic relationships with their parents, toxic like partnerships romantically. Um, it happens a lot. I mean, I think most people have a flawed definition of what love is because we haven't really been taught how to love properly because of all the things I've already mentioned, you know, systemic issues, oppression, um, trauma, substance use. There's just like, and capitalism itself, which is an exploitative and ultimately abusive system. White supremacy is a is an exploitative and abusive system patriarchy you know all of the things that we live under encourages this kind of behavior and encourages us to compete with one another and like on the extreme side like destroy each other in one form or another in order to get ahead and so um i think everyone kind of struggles with with the with what a healthy relationship looks like i have an episode about that in bt dubs um and how to be healthy themselves and it's encouraging us to not deal with it you know to to have as little empathy as possible and um so it's really tough for the people who naturally kind of engage with empathy and uh and just want to love and be loved but little tiny tangent um <laughs> i think most of us are have dealt with or are dealing with a toxic relationship of one kind or another um so i but i just like run into a lot of people like that especially people who like want to heal or are interested in healing or are approaching the end of that situation so it's like people who like are near the edge of the cliff as far as the full card but haven't made the leap yet and my role in their life tends to be the person who like gently and diplomatically lets them know that what they're dealing with is not a normal relationship and is in fact abuse. This is just like, you know, you could call it a burden, you could call it like a job, part of my purpose. I mean, that's why this podcast exists, right? Because I want people to know that you are not a bad person for walking away, you're not a bad person for saying no, that it is your job to put you first on this planet in this experience, and it is your job to walk away from anyone who would abuse your kind heart and your beautiful love. Like that is just one of my roles, one of the many hats I wear in this incarnation in life. So it happens a lot. I am mostly unsuccessful at this. <laughs> I am overwhelmingly unsuccessful. I am a seed in the slowly growing garden of this person realizing that they don't have to deal with what they're dealing with. They don't have, they don't deserve what they're going through and that they have some autonomy and some choice in continuing to put up with it or not. I just become a seed. I'm not the thing I, for some reason in my head I'm getting the image you know those in casinos or in like arcades it's like a game where you it's so stupid you put quarters in and this like 
step thing slides out and pushes the the coins towards the edge and if you're like lucky your coin will be the one that causes the coin avalanche and then you'll get some money but usually you don't because they just kind of stack up on the edge infuriatingly I'm just one of the coins you know I'm not the coin that even pushes it over the edge because when you call this to someone's attention even if they know, even if all they've done is complain about the abuser, you know, even if they just talk about how unhappy they are all the time, like, even if they know, even if they're so close to knowing, sometimes, a lot of times, once you point it out, they get defensive. You know, their cognitive dissonance kicks in. They want to they wanna protect the tower. You know, they want to throw some duct tape on it. They want to super glue these two bricks together. They want to um, stick that gargoyle back on. They are out there in the rain, in the thunderstorm with the lightning bolts of realization and they are throwing up a weather vane. You know, they're not getting hit with that shit. They are constantly repairing and rebuilding. This is like when you drive a, an old jalopy. You know, you have like an old shitty rundown car. And one day, the one thing gets broken on it that is like too expensive to fix. You know, like it needs a new engine. The car itself you paid like $1,500 for and it has been a money pit ever since. <laughs> and it's gonna cost you, you know, 2,000 to put in a new engine. And you get to the point where you're like, well, I can either pay this exorbitant amount of money to keep this fucking box of tin running or I can put this money to getting something that works better in the first place you know eventually you have that moment uh where you realize that you're fixing a crumbling building you know like that maybe it's not worth your time anymore <laughs> maybe it's too much work than it's worth but when that moment comes is up to you and like ultimately is each individual person's dealio you know you're on your own timeline you're on your own schedule um it has very little to do with your loved ones who <laughs> work up the nerve to have a tiny intervention for you about what you're putting yourself through slash what someone else is putting you through um they just like stuff it away and are like not today not dealing with this today and a lot of times they'll double down you know they'll make more of an effort to appear happy on social media as if it's some like i was just jealous and personally attacking them um they just really have to convince themselves that they're happy and that they're okay and that's really sad to me but i can also say i have been the person that someone confronted and i did the same thing and um it's just how it works you know eventually though the seed will sprout and you'll start thinking maybe that person was right you know or if you can't even give someone credit if you're too petty for that which is fine um at least think like maybe this isn't healthy you know maybe i'm not happy maybe i do deserve better and that's the point of this episode, which is just that surrender, you know, when you feel a big change coming, don't resist, don't hold on so tight, 
you know, I have this um, episode, back a few episodes, I think it's called, it's like Bee Water or The Flow, something like that. And it's about this. It's about when you're, um, when you're flowing downstream, to just allow the water to carry you is a very easy thing. You just lift up your hands Jesus take the wheel style and just flow to your destination. Whereas you're gonna exhaust yourself if you like grab onto every root and boulder and rock and stone and person's hand and you know, tree along the path. You're gonna hold on till your little arms get too tired and then you're gonna let go. Flow downstream a little bit, grab onto something else. Hold on till your arms get tired and then let go you're still going to the same place. It's just gonna happen a lot more slowly with a lot more effort on your part. And it's all gonna be futile in the end because you're still gonna go where you're going. Um, unless you don't, unless you're hanging on for dear life for the rest of your life, which is, hopefully you're not doing that. If you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you know better and you're going with the damn flow. Um, the tower moments are scary. Every end is a new beginning. Every new beginning is an end. Every time we go through a transformation, I don't know why that word didn't want to come out. Every time we go through a transformation process, we experience a death of our old selves. With every death comes grief. And so every time you change, there's a lot that comes along with it. You know, say you... Say you just got married. There might be a period of time where you feel a lot of grief for the fact that you'll never be single you again. It doesn't mean you don't love the person you're with. It doesn't mean that you didn't make the right choice. All it means is that you're leaving an old self behind and that is a little sad. It just comes with mourning, you know, even though it's a happy occasion. Same thing with Um, having kids, you know, there might be a period of grief where you mourn the loss of the life you had before you had kids. There is now a different kind of joy in your life, a different kind of fulfillment. You created a whole human being or like you're giving a whole human being a life, love, stability, you know, like there's so much amazing stuff going on there. It doesn't, but you can hold space for the happy and the sad. You can hold space for the celebration of the new and the mourning of the old. And I think we don't let ourselves do that. Um, and I think, I don't know. I think that in a way contributes to resentment that can fester later if we're not sure we made the right choice or if we just like, suppress those feelings and don't allow ourselves to feel them because I'm supposed to be happy, you know? I'm supposed to be grateful. What's wrong with me? I'm never going to be satisfied. You know, all those stories we tell ourselves. Um, Once you... I feel like there's like one big one in everyone's life. One big tower moment, whether it's like I got my master's and I was supposed to carry on and get my PhD, but I just fucking can't. Like, I cannot be in academia anymore. I'm over it. I'm not doing it. 
And so you change directions. Like that's a big, a huge tower moment, a life defining tower moment, or like, I can't do the career I'm doing anymore. I need to do something that feels better to my soul. And so I'm going to make a big change, even though it's really scary. And I don't know if I can do it. Or I've been with this person for most of my adult life, but they don't treat me very nice. And I don't feel respected or loved by them. I don't feel like they're, um, loving me in the right way I don't feel seen I feel lonely I feel sadder in this relationship than I feel I would outside of it and so I'm gonna get divorced like (laughs) you know we have these big big moments and I think during your Saturn returns it's basically like a series of them a series of releasing very fast because the universe wants you to mature. The universe wants you to grow. The universe wants you to be your best self and wants you to, wants to support you in that journey and in that endeavor. Um, and so the universe sure will <laughs> rip some things right away from you. And it's your job to let them. You know, it's your job to throw up your hands and surrender. It's your job to say, you know what? You tell me what to do, God. If you're so smart, if you're so fucking big and smart, you tell me what to do, you big bitch. I'm out of the mood of controlling things. I'm not in charge anymore. It's you. I'll listen. You tell me and I'll listen and I'll do it. You know, we have to like get to that point sometimes so that you stop controlling things, so that you stop resisting things, so you can let the tower fall. And I think societally that's where we are we're at the point of like no return people want to preserve the old they want to call it going back to normal or they want to call it a new normal where it's like a slightly abridged normal and the shit has hit the fan my friends like we are looking at climate disaster we're looking at possible famine even more disease we're looking at war we're looking at um mass extinction we're looking at more diseases like life as we know it is over this is the new reality um this is the consequence of many many years many many decades even or even like centuries if you think about the arrogance of humanity and like expansion at any cost and how over and over again we would see these huge societies built um, from exploitation from conquering from unchecked expansion and then getting too big for their little britches and just collapsing over and over again we've seen it happen did we learn from it no a hundred thousand percent no we did not we did not stop enslaving people we did not stop expanding at all costs we did not stop fighting over land which you actually cannot own (laughs) we we kept doing it we're just we're still doing it we're rome all over again and um i think what we're heading towards is something way worse than ever previously experienced because even if we were to survive um the massive change that that climate change is bringing on in you know the devastating consequences of our carelessness with the planet that we live on even if we were to survive the storms and the floods and the fires and the sicknesses and the famine and the war we don't know how to do it we don't know how to live on the land um 
But I, <laughs> I feel, and a lot of other people feel like that's what we're heading towards, a place of um, going backwards in time, a place of de-industrialization, a place of um, living in union or in harmony with the earth instead of being a parasite on her. And um, whether that's a good or a bad thing is moot because I, I think it's happening. <laughs> you know, it is scary. Um, there are things that we can do to change it. You know, it's not inevitable. We could make changes to policy. We could make changes to exploitation. We could make changes to have a more peaceful and co cooperative and mutual aid-centered way of being. We could stop being at odds with one another. We could start taking care of each other. Um, we could have a government that truly works for us and provides for us and takes care of us and cares about our well-being we could do away with the concept of billionaires or future trillionaires we could stop that process um right now at any moment uh by taxing them and by like having a a wage cap we could do these changes at any moment we could stop producing plastic we could change our business models <laughs> we could you know there's like a million little ways and a million big ways that we could make adjustments and avoid um the apocalypse basically will we do that i don't know <laughs> are you ready to are you ready to let the tower fall are you ready to give up your little stuff your vacations to resorts in colonized places, not to get too preachy, um, point the finger at me, am I willing to give up chicken wings? I probably should be. Um, are you willing to put a fucking mask on your face and stay away from other people for a little bit? Um, let your employees work from home. You know, figure out a way to continue bailing out renters who can't pay their rent don't call the cops on new uh hordes of people without homes for disturbing your tranquility you fucking asshole just we could do something about it we have the power it is within our capabilities it is within our beings to stop this to change our ways, to pivot, to function on a new vibration. Shout out my EP mantra and the song A New Vibration on it. You can listen anywhere you stream. <laughs> a commercial in my rant about capitalism is... That's really the irony that I'm going for. <laughs> um, obnoxious, yes. Funny, also yes. Uh, we can do something about this. We can change it. I think that what we've been seeing, what is so frustrating about the last year and a half, is that we have been presented with a unique opportunity to let a tower fall. And instead, we have resisted it at every turn because we have to have our Friday nights out and our movie dates and our 
kids have to go to school so that we can go work in person because our bosses don't understand why working from home is a better business model anyway, probably because of real estate. You know, we're resisting. We resisted the fact that coronavirus, not we as in every individual, but we as in humanity because, you know, who are we if not the worst of us? <sighs> resisted the idea that COVID was real. Then we resisted wearing masks. Then we re resisted vaccines. And now we're resisting all of it. Um, even though so many have lost their lives. And this feels like a macrocosm of that same feeling I had with my family, which is just like, wow, all of this suffering was truly for nothing. You have learned nothing. Things are not changing. And I am in shahak. Um, let the tower fall. Practice embracing change because the more you do it, the easier it gets. And like I said, the more you do it, the more intuitive you get about it, the less afraid you get about change in general. And then the more proactive you become in choosing the change. You plan the change. You know, you anticipate the change. You don't even have to flow with it anymore because you're the one who's creating it. And that is a whole nother kind of empowerment. That is a whole nother kind of being in charge. And, um, and it's really beautiful and it's really liberating and it's, um, freedom in a way, you know, freedom from the fear of everything getting ripped out from under you. After you've embraced a few of these changes, after you've let a few towers fall, or I guess the metaphor is let your tower fall a few times, um, then you start to trust that I've got this, I can handle this. And it puts you in a healthier place. Like right now, I'm in the happiest, healthiest relationship I've ever been in. I feel my life totally entwined with this person. I'm completely committed. And I don't have that one foot out the door feeling that I had in all my other previous less good than this relationships. Why? Because I know that if it were to all fall apart, A, I trust that it's not going to because I feel that it's right for me. But I also know because I've been through so many changes and lost so much and been alone of my own choosing um, for, for four years straight. Like, I don't fear that. I know I can do that. I know I can handle that. And I know that nothing lasts forever. That like, you know, if things were to fall apart and I were to get my heart smashed to a billion tiny pieces, um, that I would survive that because I've survived it before. And that the heartbreak eventually eases up and you you just start living again, you know? And once you're in that place of trust about it, you don't fear any change. You don't fear any shift or any occurrence. And a lack of fear makes life feel a lot smoother to navigate. It doesn't feel so... It doesn't feel like a series of booby traps <laughs> where you're set up to fail. It feels more like a smooth ride. Um, just remember in your lives, if you feel yourself resisting, it would probably serve to ask yourself, why am I resisting? What am I resisting? What am I afraid of? What is the worst that could happen from this change? <laughs> um, you know, just self examine your thought process, dive into the fear talk to the fear as if it's like an entity outside of yourself and learn from it 
And if it's valid, you know, maybe take smaller steps. If you find that it's irrational or that it's simply holding you back from making the choice you know you need to make, then you can, you know, you can say thank you for your protection, but I'm going to go a different way this time and just get yourself used to it. Realize it's just practice. You know, you're just living, you're just growing. It's what you're supposed to do and it's okay. There need not be any judgment. There need not be any blame. Of course, you will encounter some people's projections and some people's egos, but you'll know that it has nothing to do with you ultimately. You'll know that if something's not working out for you, it's probably not working out for the other person either, even if they don't want to admit it. (laughs) And sometimes to be the strong one means that you have to make those tough decisions and you you have to disappoint someone but it all works out the way it's supposed to so i challenge you this week to just go with the flow listen to your fear find out where it's coming from and make the brave choice um i wish you luck i wish you happiness i wish you consciousness and i wish you happy healing i'll talk to you soon bye